What's up? What's up? What's up? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Drop Balls Podcast. Your favorite podcast is favorite sports podcast. Yes, you heard me right. I said your favorite podcast is favorite sports podcast. Hope you all are having a good week so far. Hope you all have been able to enjoy some pretty good basketball that's been going on. I uh, hope you all saw the new Washington football team's name, the Washington Commanders. Um, I got me some jokes off on Twitter about that. But, you know, we're we going to skip over all of, all of the, you know, all of the introduction stuff. And we're just going to get into the episode because, you know, I wanted to come on here and just talk about the NFC AFC championship games, um, the Super Bowl, who I'm picking to win and all this and all of that. But on Tuesday, we got this bombshell from Brian Flores Suing the NFL, suing the New York Giants, the Denver Broncos, and the Miami Dolphins because of hiring practices and just, you know, wrongdoings within the organization. Um, And really, it's the wrongdoing within the Miami Dolphins organization because apparently in 2019, when Brian Flores was was hired as the Miami Dolphins head coach, they wanted him to do an interview, but they wanted him to try to lure a big target to to the Miami Dolphins. And now the target was still on the contract with another team. So, you know, that's kind of like tampering, right? Um, and it was a quarterback. So Brian Flores said, no, he wasn't going to do it. And from, you know, my assumption is, is that the only reason he was hired was to lure this individual to Miami. And the individual who I believe it is, is Tom Brady, because in 2019, he was the, he was the big name on like, what's going to happen with Tom Brady? What is he going to do? Uh, is he going to is he going to uh after the after 2019 is he going to go to another team? Is he going to stay with the with the Patriots? What's going to happen with Tom Brady, right? And so that was the big thing. And so Brian Flores said no, he wasn't going to do it. And Stephen Ross invited Brian Flores onto his yacht. And on his yacht, he had the big target that he wanted Brian Flores to to get. And Brian Flores, apparently, he said that he left he left the yacht as soon as he saw what was going on. And rightfully so, because for Brian Flores, had he gotten caught doing that, they were going to, the league would have punished him. They wouldn't have punished Stephen Ross in the team. The league would have punished him. Now, I'm pretty sure they might have fined the team or whatever, but Brian Flores was going to get the brunt of the, you know, of the discourse because he was the one that was trying to lure that target to the team. So he, he, he decided not to do that. Then it was said that Stephen Ross offered Brian Flores $100,000 a game for each loss. So ultimately, you know, back then it was only 16 games, so you're making $1.6 million if you throw all 16 games because they wanted a higher draft pick. So tank the season and I'll give you $1.6 million. That's pretty much what he was telling telling Brian Flores. Get us a higher draft pick, and I'll give you 1.6. And, and you know, Brian Flores said no. Now, I've joked around on Twitter talking about, you know, hey, Miami, y'all still need a head coach? Because uh, I'll come in there and tank for 1.7 mil. I'll tank the whole season, get y'all a high draft pick and everything. You know, but that's just me messing around. But Brian Flores said no because he's a man of integrity. Or at least that's, you know, from the outside looking in, he's a man of integrity. So once he did that, that's where he said that the relationship took a turn between him and the organization where they were bumping heads and, you know, all this and all of that. And mind you, so I've seen this around Twitter that, oh, they wanted to get Joe Burrow. 
excuse my language, but I call bullshit. And the reason I say that is because if this was told to him at the beginning of the season, there's no way anybody knew Joe Burrow was going to go on to have the 2019 season that he had. Nobody knew he was going to do that. Nobody knew he was going to throw for about 60 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, and, and all of that. Nobody knew he was going to have that kind of that kind of last season in college with LSU and win the national title and the Heisman. Nobody knew that. So, so if you're telling me that that's why they were tanking to get Joe Burrow, like I said, I call bullshit. Now, not only that, but they, they, they still had a high pick. They had a top five pick. And if you were going to take a quarterback – like Joe Burrow, why did you take Tua when Justin Herbert was sitting right there with your fifth overall pick? So make it make sense to me because it doesn't. And for all the people that say, oh, why he just didn't tank, why he didn't do that, blah, 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 because the man has integrity and he still won games in his first season. He had back-to-back winning seasons his last two seasons with Miami. He swept the, they, they swept the, the Patriots. No team has really been able to ever say they've done that. So, I mean, come on, man. Come on. And so then we go to the New York Giants. Or actually, let's go to the Denver Broncos since that also happened in 2019. So we go to the Denver Broncos, and he says that – now, this is speculation. In my opinion, this is speculation. But he says that they came in um, either drunk or hungover from the night before, didn't seem interested in the interview and all this and all of that. Once again, that's kind of speculation as far as them being drunk or hungover and stuff. That could be all speculation. You don't really have proof of that. As far as them not being not being interested or maybe already knowing who they were going to hire, because after that, they hired Vic Fangio, who we all know got fired on Black Friday or Black Monday, which rightfully so, because he sucked as a head coach. Um, and also never got a quarterback into the into Denver to actually that was worth a damn. Um, but anyway. So then that takes us to New York where he was supposed where he was interviewing for the head coaching position this year because they fired Joe Judge, who was a special teams coordinator and wasn't fit for the job that he got at the New York Giants in the first place. Um, got it over Eric Bieniemy and, you know, some other some other coaches as well, which that's a whole nother monster within itself. But anyway, so he's supposed to interview on a Thursday. He gets a text from Bill Belichick congratulating him on getting the job with the Giants and was saying that, you know, he heard from Buffalo and from New York that he's their guy and he hopes it works out for him if that's the job he wants. Brian Flores asked him, you know, or tells him, yes, this is definitely the job I want. You know, I hope you're right, coach. But also, coach, are you talking to Brian Flores or Brian Dable? Just making sure. And here comes Bill Belichick. Sorry, I effed this up. I double-checked and misread the text. I think they're naming Dable. I'm sorry about that. And then Brian Flores says, thanks, Bill. So Brian Flores ain't even have his interview yet, and they're already telling people that they're going to hire Brian Dable as the head coach for the New York Giants head coaching position. So that makes you think, am I just here to check a box because of the Rooney rule? And now, you know, people say, oh, well, they interviewed Leslie Frazier. Well, Let's let's get this understood with the Rooney rule and with the changes that they made. I believe it was they have to hire two or not hire. My bad. They have to interview two minority candidates that are outside of the organization. Leslie Frazier, Brian Flores. 
your two minority candidates. Now, they did interview Graham, who I believe was the defensive coordinator for the Giants last year. So he's already within the organization. So they did interview him, but he doesn't count towards, you know, that Rooney rule rule. And now I'm not saying that, you know, hire. uh, I'm not saying that you have to hire a minority. You have to hire them. No, I'm not saying that. But at least give them a, a, a fair shot. At least give them a fair opportunity. Now, the New York Giants did come out and say that he was a candidate up to the 11th hour. And my thing is, is that that's very telling because they're not denying the allegations. So it, it, wording is very nece- like word, not necessary, but wording is very important here. They didn't say he was a candidate up until the interview or up until after the interview. They said he was a candidate up to the 11th hour. So they're not denying that they already had their candidate picked out. They're not denying that. And they're not denying that they just interviewed him to check a box. They're just saying he was a candidate up until the 11th hour. Not up until after the interview. None of that None of that went on. Just up until the 11th hour. So that lets me know that, you know, that's a red flag for me. Not only are the text messages a red flag... And also, how does Bill Belichick know this? Like, how does he get this information? Now, I, I know the league is a is a league of good good old boys. You know, the owners are good old boys and, and all of that. And now I'm not calling the owners racist. I'm not saying that, oh, they just hate black people and they hate all minorities and all this and all that. No, I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is that they hire people that look like them. They hire people that they're familiar with. They hire people that they relate to. But why does it matter who the owners relate to? Shouldn't it matter who the players relate to? And in a league where 70% of the players are black, shouldn't those players have a coach that they relate to? And I'm not saying that all 32 teams have to hire a black head coach. I'm not saying that 100% of the head coaching positions should be held by black men. No, I'm not saying that. Because then we just doing to y'all what y'all are doing to us. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But... The population of of black people in America is somewhere around 13%. Can we at least get that? As far as head coaching gigs in the the NFL, what's that, about four four coaches, four black coaches? We have one, so we just really need three more. Hell, I mean, yes, I understand we have three minority coaches. We have Mike Tomlin, Robert Sala, and we have uh, Ron Rivera. So, yes, I understand that's three coaches, but that's still only 9%. All I'm, I'm asking for 13% of the coaches or 13% of the head coaching gigs be held by black men. So what, that's four. That's just It's just four. Four divided by 32 is 12 and a half. So can we at least get that? I mean, that's the bare minimum, man. Like, why is that so hard to attain? And when we look at Brian Flores' record, like he was, he had a terrible record the first year. Then I believe he was 10 and 6 the second year and then 9 and 8 this past season. And they fired him. They fired him after this season because he didn't get along with management. But like I said, it sounds like management was the ones that was starting to, to rub, not rub him the wrong way, but because he would not tank, management started giving him the cold shoulder. Or not, I guess not management, but the organization started giving him the cold shoulder, started treating him differently. When you listen to the players talk about him, they love him. Now, I believe Tua wanted him gone because Tua wasn't the guy that Brian Flores wanted in the first place. Brian Flores wanted Justin Herbert. So, I mean, there's that. But Tua wasn't the guy that he wanted. 
And what I really hope is I, I hope this these allegations, this lawsuit does not hinder him from getting another head coaching job. Because to be quite honest, when you go against the shield, they find out a way to get rid of you. And that's by blackballing you, not giving you any more jobs or any of that. We we know this. And but I mean, I know he did have an interview with the, the New Orleans Saints. He's had interviews with the Houston Texans, but I don't really think he is a candidate for the Houston Texans. I think they really want Josh McCown, but they're afraid to hire Josh McCown because he's never coached in the NFL before. So I think, you know, I think that's the route they want to go. But that's the guy they want. And actually, he was a pretty sorry ass quarterback in the NFL as well. Um, why can't Eric Bieniemy ever get a head coaching gig? Why why is that happening? Why can't he get a head coaching gig? They they say he interview he doesn't interview well. They say he's not prepared. They say that he's not calling the plays. They use those three things against Eric Bieniemy. Those three things. The and, and I mean when Andy Reid is sitting there telling you the guy who employs him is sitting there and telling you he's a great coach. He's good at his job. You you know they perform on a on a on a world stage. It's not like we can't see what they're doing. He he's been the he's been at the helm of the top offense in the NFL for the past what three years four years. But yet he can't get he can't get a head coaching gig right. But Matt Nagy and 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 Doug Peterson they were known as offensive gurus. And got jobs just in a in a blink of an eye. You have uh, Dan Quinn, who was a terrible head coach in Atlanta. Yes, I understand. He made it to a Super Bowl. He was a bad head coach in Atlanta. He goes to the Cowboys, becomes the defensive coordinator. They have a pretty decent defense. I I, I would say a top fifteen defense, and. Now he was a hot commodity this offseason that everybody just wanted to interview him. But but why isn't uh D'Amico Ryan's that that hot commodity? Why isn't uh Vance Joseph that hot commodity? Why isn't Leslie Frazier that hot commodity? Why isn't uh you know like like why aren't these coaches that hot commodity? Why 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 is Dan Quinn all of a sudden this, you know, the one of the best coaching candidates for a head coaching job right now? Um, now, granted, he did turn down the jobs and he's going back to Dallas, but still, like, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, he didn't really do much as a head coach with Atlanta. And you could say the same thing about these other coaches, Todd Bowles, Vance Joseph, Anthony Lynn. Um, I guess D'Amico Ryans, they had a top 10 defense in San Francisco. This was his first year as a defensive coordinator, I believe. But the other coaches, they didn't really do much at their teams, but yet... Leslie Frazier ain't been a head coach since I, I want to say 2014, maybe 16, but he hasn't had another head coaching sh- shot since then, since you know he left Minnesota. So like, but why not though? You know, you you know what I mean? Like, why not? <laughs> can you can you give me a reason why? But yet Dan Quinn, you know, he's the hot commodity. He's the the coach everybody wants or everybody wanted. Um, now, you know, this round, some black GMs got hired. You got Brian Poles and you got uh, the GM in, in Minnesota who got hired. So, you know, shout out for that. But, like, why are these black coaches not getting hired? You know, what's going on? 
And you had Steve Wilkes, who got one year with the Arizona Cardinals. Then they hired Cliff Kingsbury, who I believe his record is like 24-24. and 24. He's had one winning season. That was this year. And then they flamed out halfway through the season. So, you know, but yet he still has a job. He was able to draft Kyler Murray and do things with Kyler Murray as far as at the quarterback position. But they haven't been successful. They haven't reached that pinnacle that that's what the coaches are supposed to do. They're not even, when you really look at it, they're not even close. That's two back-to-back seasons where they flamed the hell out halfway through the season because of whatever reason. And so I, I'm just not I'm just not understanding it. And like when we sit here and we tell you all, and you know, I'm not I'm not asking for us to be like I said earlier, I'm not asking for us to be the majority of the coaches in the league. We can't even get the bare minimum. We can't even get thirteen percent, which is a, a, a direct correlation with the American population. And then when we sit here and tell you tell people I'm not going to say you people <laughs> when we get out, when we sit out here and we tell people about the, the systematic issues that have gone on for centuries and decades, nobody believes us. But then as soon as those same systems affect you directly, we get January 6th capital riots. Like, you know, it, it shouldn't get to that point, though. Like, it really shouldn't. We, we've been sitting here telling you all this for the for the for forever. And I'm not and I'm not speaking to all white people and I'm I'm really just speaking. But like we we we've been talking out loud about this forever and we've really I mean we've gotten a little bit but not really. Not really. 2018 they had six black head coaches. Guess where we at now? One, Mike Tomlin. So, come on man, like just make it make sense for me because right now it it doesn't make any sense. And y'all can sit there and say, oh, well, well, they were bad coaches. Okay, well, so was Dan Quinn. And so why is he getting another opportunity? Why, why, why everybody wanted him? Why was everybody interviewing him? I guarantee you, if he didn't turn down the job, he would have got whatever job he wanted. But the fact he turned it down, that's the, that's the reason why I think he didn't get the job. Black coaches don't have the luxury of tur- term- turning jobs down. They don't have that luxury. And I guarantee you, if Brian Flores would have tanked, bruh, that man would never see another head coaching job a day in his life. He might not even see another coordinator job. If he would have tanked and that was found out, Hugh Jackson ain't get another chance. Now, you know, Hugh Jackson's a whole other story. I'll talk about that after this quick break. But Hugh Jackson's a whole other story. But he ain't even get another head coaching job after what happened with the Browns. So you really think that 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 Brian Flores would have got another head coaching job if he would have tanked that first season? Do you think he even would have been able to coach the new quarterback had he tanked that first season? Hell no. Hell no. But anyway, we're going to take a quick little break. And when we come back, we're going to, like I said, I'm going to talk about Hugh Jackson a little bit. And, uh, you know, we're going to get into that. And then we're going to get into the AFC, NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. Tomorrow. Say mama, hey mama, I've been feeling homesick. It's demons 
inside my heart and I can feel them growing. I brought people around me without even knowing. They all had secret agendas that they wasn't showing. Bitches will stab you in your back, but smile in your face. Niggas will act how they act, but they want your place. Say that it's love out they mouth, but that shit be fake. So I've been looking for peace, begging for space. And Lord, I'm just a nigga trying to win. Lord, I'm just a nigga, so I sin. We spin his block, we spin his block, this spin again. He gotta pay for what he did. Uh, yeah. I've been feeling pain for so long. What up? Uh, I done became numb. I don't make it no better. I give my heart to whoever. Uh, they take it in, they run. Uh, you had me, but you lost me. I'm not mad, I'm exhausted. Please, please, if you come around, give me something to make me smile. <laughs> been so many dark days. Been so many. So we're back from that quick little break. And, you know, I, I do want to mention something really quick. You know, Hugh, Hugh Jackson, he came out and, and pretty much said that the same thing happened to him at the, the Cleveland Browns. And my thing is with, with Hugh, like, I understand he said he got the receipts. And, I you know, I tweeted that today. Like, you know, Hugh said he got the receipts. But, you know, the, the thing with him is, bro, like, you were fired. Like you didn't you haven't coached in like years. Why did it take you this long to say something? Like I understand not wanting to say something while you were coaching the team, but after you got let go, after all of that happened with the Browns, why did you wait to ride Brian Flores coattails to say something? Now I I, I ain't trying to I'm not trying to put Hugh Jackson down, like, you know, if this really happened with him and everything, but my thing is just like, why did you wait so long? Like, it, it, that just doesn't make sense to me. And, and you know, also for the people that that uh, are saying Brian Flores. So, like, I view Brian Flores' thing and Hugh Jackson's thing very differently. Because Hugh Jackson waited for Brian Flores to say something. And then Hugh Jackson jumped on the bandwagon after he hasn't coached in the NFL for, like, four years. The thing with and, and people are on Twitter on like, oh, why did Brian Flores wait so long? Brian Flores was still an active coach in the league. And until things went south as far as the interviews that he's had so far, he decided to say something. 
And now, granted, he still has two opportunities out there with the Saints and and the uh, and the 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 Texans. But he decided to say something at this point. But at the time, like he was still a head coach in the league. He was working for the Miami Dolphins. Had he said he kept his mouth shut, continued to move along. And had he said something, then they probably would have, you know, things would have got escalated a lot quicker than what they are now. But I don't know. I mean, I just view their situations very differently. I, I, I view Hugh Jackson as just trying to ride the coattails of what, what uh, Brian Flores is doing. And I could be 100% wrong. He could he could very well have gone through this experience. But Brett hasn't coached in the league for four years, and now he's coming out to say something after Brian Flores says something. So I just find it kind of weird. But, you know, it is what it is. And also, if you if you did if that did happen to you, why did you take the money? Like why did or or did you not take the money and the team just sucked or like what was going on there with the Browns like because that just doesn't make sense but you know it is what it is but anyway you know that 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 song on the break that was Ride Wave Dark Clouds um so we're gonna continue with the show we're gonna continue going um oh yeah the the Washington Commanders man Washington came out and they named their they named their team name um it's no longer the Washington football team that the Washington Commanders. The uniforms are pretty dope. I don't like the wording on the, I believe the the burgundy uniform and on the uh, the black uniform because it has commander across the chest, which is cool. But it has the the little bars above and underneath, and then on the black jersey, it just has commander on the the like the left chest or whatever. And so I don't really like the the way the wording is done. If they would have done it, if they would have done it the the way the white jerseys are done where they just have Washington across the chest, even if it just said commander without the bars above or below, I think it would have been a lot, a, a lot better. I mean, I'm a sucker for black unis. So I, I love black unis. It's just, I don't like the the wording on the, the chest of the, the black one, but the white uni is fresh. Like the, the, the right, the white uni is, is fire. Um, but yeah, they, they, they named the commanders. I, I think they could have went with a better name, but for whatever reason, you know, this was the consensus. I guess they they did things the right way. You know, they talked to everybody and they did things the, the way they were supposed to. Got enough input on it. And and they're good. Like, they're you know, they they moving forward. They move forward with it. And so I, I have no issues with that. But uh, it, it's going to be funny. I, I've gotten my jokes off on Twitter about the <laughs> the new name. I said something about the Cowboys are trying to attack the base. We need to, uh, what is it? Take command, take command, and uh, and we need some aerial assault or whatever. Y'all gotta follow me on Twitter at DropBossPod. I try to be funny sometimes. Sometimes, I, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But y'all gotta follow your boy on Twitter at DropBossPod. The link is in the description. Um, but let's let's talk about these AFC and NFC championship games, man. The first game, the the Bengals and the 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 Chiefs. Now, I picked the Chiefs. I was riding with the Chiefs. But I, I did say I would not be surprised if the Bengals won. And while the Bengals shocked the world, I wasn't surprised. I, I wasn't surprised. They beat them in the regular season. And, I mean, I get it. The Chiefs the Chiefs are the Chiefs. And I, I picked the Chiefs. I'm not even going to act like I didn't. I picked the Chiefs. And I was like, yeah, the Chiefs, the Chiefs got this. I think the Chiefs got this. But I, I just it's something, something that was inside of me just was like, you know, the Bengals could really win this game. And just like I told y'all at the beginning of the, the playoffs where I said that 
the uh, the the Bengals and the Titans were very evenly matched. They were more evenly matched than people wanted to give credit for. It was the same with the Chiefs. Now, I understand that she's got Tyree Kill, that she's got Travis Kelsey. But to be honest, I think the the Bengals' specialty positions are better than the Chiefs. Now, Travis Kelsey is legit. Tyree Kill, probably top 10 in the league. Kelsey, top three <laughs> tight ends in the league. But when you look at Jamar Chase, you look at T. Higgins, you look at Tyler Boyd, and you look at uh, Uzama, that, those weapons are very talented for the Bengals. And, and, and having all of those weapons, that, that group, to me, is better than the Chiefs group. And, yes, the Chiefs got off to a quick start. And I, I, did the, I went back and looked at the All-22. And when I was looking at the All-22, I was looking at, you know, looking at the drives, looking at the defense that was being played, and looking at the, the, uh, the defense that was played in the second half. And so when you look at that, in the second half, the Bengals did something differently. They, they played a lot of one high. They dropped. They had a robber. And then they dropped a spy. They put a spy on Patrick Mahomes. Now, they did it a couple times in the first half. But in the second half, it was they did it a lot more than they did in the first half. I believe in the second half, um, they did it about 22.5% of the, of the plays. In the first half, they only did it about 6% of the time. So in the second half, they did it a lot more. And dropping eight back into coverage, it just seemed like it confused Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. It, it looked like he was kind of rattled in the second half. I'm not 100% sure. But it looked like he was kind of rattled in the second half. Um, and then not only that, I, I, at first it looked like they got, they got away from running the ball. But they really didn't. And, and, and the reason I say that is because when I look at the, the, the stat book, when I go look at the stat book, they ran the ball 12 times in the second half compared to 15 times throwing the ball. Now, granted, two of those runs were Patrick Mahomes running, but um, they threw the ball 15 times or they attempted 15 passes in the second half and they ran the ball 12 times. Now, when we look at the first half, they ran the ball 12 times and they attempted passes 21 times. So they threw it a lot more in the first half than they did in the second half. And they ran it about the same. Now, Jared McKinnon, he had six carries for 32 yards in the first half and six carries for 33 yards in the second half. But I just don't know why they got away from running the ball. They were averaging 5.6 yards a carry in the second half. Um, I, I don't know why they didn't do it more consistently, not not got away from it, but but did it more consistently because I, I don't know what it is with the Chiefs that they just they just don't like to run the ball. Like, I don't get it. But like I said, in the first half, they outran like. The Bengals had 10 carries, they had 12, so they they had more carries. Second half, they had more carries than the Bengals in the second half as well, which that's understood because the Bengals were playing from behind. But it's, I don't know, something just happened to that offense to where when the Bengals switched up their defense, they just couldn't click. When they dropped that spy back, Patrick Mahomes just wouldn't click. And and there were receivers open, so I don't, I don't understand what it was. And, and he looked very rattled. But the Bengals, they went on to one. You know, shout out to the Bengals. They're going to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow, that man has Joey Cool. Brad has stayed, you know, he he stays cool in the the most inopportune times. And maybe that's what the Dolphins wanted him. 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't like I said. I don't really think they wanted him. I just think they wanted the higher draft pick. But anyway, maybe you know maybe that's why. But you know he stayed cool under pressure, and he got the job done. I even said it on Twitter before the second half. I said Joe Joe Burrow gonna come show y'all something in the second half, and and he lit it up. He did his thing, and they got the dub. So shout out to the Bengals for that. Um, the Chiefs only had eighty three yards and three points in the second half. And I attribute that to Patrick Mahomes' meltdown, man. Like, I, I can't put this game on anybody else than Patrick Mahomes. Now, I know I've been in a couple of Chiefs fans' Twitter spaces this past week. Um, and I know they, they've been distraught <laughs> on this game. And, I, I mean, I get it. You know, you've been, you've been there the last four years, been to the last two Super Bowls and all of that. I get it. Y'all are – they've experienced some success. They've experienced a lot of success. And so – when you experience that success, you want to continue that that train moving. But it was just a it was a meltdown, man. Like it, it was a, it was just a, a really bad meltdown in the second half. Something that you really didn't see coming. Now we saw it in the first game that they played during the regular season. I believe it was week seventeen. But you didn't really expect that in the AFC Championship game. You didn't expect them to melt down like that in the second half. And then it even went into overtime. When it went into overtime, everybody was like, oh, if the Chiefs get the ball, this game is over. No, Patrick Mahomes threw an interception. Like, he he made, like, three bad pass. Like, it was, like, three bad pass attempts in overtime, and then the final one was an interception. Or I guess two, and then the final one was an interception. And so it, it, it just didn't look right. Like, the team just didn't look right. It looked like they were shaving points. I'm not saying that they were. I'm just saying that's how it looked. Like, because the way they were rolling in the first half – and then to come out just flat in the second half. Now, one thing I will say might have changed the complexion of the game was the end of the first half is, I believe, second or third down. I believe it was third down. No, second down. It was second down. Um, I think Kansas City had like five seconds on the clock. And Patrick Mahomes threw it to Tyree Kill behind the line of scrimmage. And Tyreek got tackled in bounds because he tried to make a move and get upfield to get into the end zone because it was only like on the two-yard line or something like that. And they got stopped. Eli Apple stopped him. The guy we were flaming up the whole game stopped him. And um, and I think that's what changed the momentum of that game. And Patrick Mahomes, I guess, thought he had a timeout. They were out of timeouts. So I guess he thought they had a timeout. Um, but even on that play, like – if your number one read isn't open, it's five seconds left, bro. Like, if your number one read isn't open, throw the ball out the back of the end zone. There's no reason to try to dump it down and try to make something out of nothing because then you're just wasting time. Had they gotten three points out of that drive, I think they win this game. Um, and I don't think that, you know, Cincinnati gets that momentum. But because they got that stop, they got the momentum. It was a big stop. And then they kicked the ball off to Kansas City in the second half and got another stop. So now all the momentum is with the Bengals, and they're rolling. And they came back and they did what they needed to do. Um, then later on that day, we had the Rams versus the 49ers. And that was a that was a pretty good game. It, it was the third time that they've seen each other this season. So I, I kind of knew that it was going to be a very close game, a very tight game. And and it was. It, it was a very close and tight game. And the first drive of the game, I believe the – I, I want to say – uh old boy Matthew Stafford I want to say he threw an interception on the first drive of the game that gave the ball back to the uh 
gave the ball back to the, the 49ers. And let me make sure, because that's what I want to say happened. If I remember, if I'm remembering things correctly, that is exactly what happened. No, it was a punt. So my bad. I am not remembering things correctly. So the first quarter, they ended up punting. Then San Francisco punted as well um, with their first possession. It was the second possession that they got all the way down to the goal line or into the red zone. And then Matthew Stafford threw an interception. And after that, San Francisco couldn't capitalize on the interception, so they ended up punting off the ball. Then the Rams go down, and they score. And then the 49ers come back, they score as well. And, you know, I, I don't give Jimmy Garoppolo credit for this touchdown at all. I know the stat sheet will say he had two touchdowns. The man really only had one because I could throw a screen to Debo Samuel and let him do all of the work and make it look like I did something. But, no, it wasn't that. Jimmy Garoppolo threw a screen to Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel caught it, made everybody miss, got up field, and scored a touchdown. Like, that's, that was all on Debo. Now, I will say Jimmy Garoppolo, he did make some very good throws in this game. I'm not going to take that away from him. But when they needed him most, he did the most Jimmy Garoppolo thing. And that was throw an interception in the game-selling moments that gave the, the, the L.A. Rams the game. Now, the the crazy thing is, is that, yes, I understand it was third and 13 or something like that. Had he taken the sack, it would have been fourth and 26. But in that in that situation, bro, like, get, just give your offense another chance. I mean, the likelihood of you making that fourth and 26 isn't, isn't high. Like, the percentage isn't high. But just give your offense another, another chance. You know, the, the, it was crazy to me is that people are making all the excuses in the world for him for doing that. But yet the same people that make those excuses for him, for him doing that, are the same people that crucified Carson Wentz in a regular season game for turning the ball over to the T- Tennessee Titans and you know, cause he threw the ball out with his left hand. They're crucifying him for that, even though he went back and tied up the game to get us into overtime. But they give Jimmy Garoppolo a pass for that and they crucify Carson Wentz for that. I understand they want Carson Wentz gone. But the fact that y'all are really clamoring to get Jimmy Garoppolo into the into an Indianapolis Colts uniform over Carson Wentz is just ridiculous for me. And it, it's crazy. Like, I, I will never understand it. But I digress. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo threw the game-selling interception, and the L.A. Rams went on to win that game. Now, you know, y- y'all know how I feel about uh, Odell Beckham Jr., man. Y'all know how... I feel about how people had slandered him leaving the leaving the uh what's the team called the Browns and and you know how people were slandering him and and killing him for that and everything. The man balled out in the NFC Championship game. First half he had four receptions, 32 yards. Second half though, the man went crazy. Actually, was it this no. Or maybe this is all messed up. I'm looking at the stat sheet right now. I'm looking at the little stat sheet. But, uh, oh, no, that is the first half. So, here we go. The final the final statistics for him. Nine receptions, 113 yards. Now, he didn't have any touchdowns. Cooper Cup had all of those. He had two touchdowns with 142 yards. Him and Odell showed up in a big way. They made plays when they needed to. Um and kept drives alive. Odell Beckham especially like made some big catches to keep drives alive. 
and, you know, keep the keep the team going and moving forward. And, you know, Cooper Cup did his thing, what he's been doing damn near the whole season. But to see Odell get 11 targets in a national – or not national championship – in an NFC championship game is big. And I expect him to do those type of things in the, the Super Bowl coming up on February 13th. And now my pick for the Super Bowl, I'm rocking with the L.A. Rams. I told y'all in July – Y'all are sleeping on the season Matthew Stafford is about to have. And my guy is in the Super Bowl. I need him to win this game so y'all can stop all the Matthew Stafford slander. And I need him to ball out in this game. He balled out in the NFC Championship. Yes, he threw an interception. But the man went 31 for 45, 337, two touchdowns and an interception. I need him to do it in the in the Super Bowl. I need Odell to get him a ring. I need Jalen Ramsey to get him a ring. And I also want a ring from my guy, Aaron Donald. So I'm going for the Rams. I think it's going to be a good game. The Bengals are a very good team. My only concern about the Bengals is their offensive line. They did a pretty good job against the Kansas City Chiefs. But one thing about Kansas City, their pressure rate is very high. But for whatever reason, they cannot get the sacks. Like, they can't get the sacks. Um, I don't think they were that high this season And you know, in sacking the quarterback. But the Rams, on the other hand, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, them boys can get off after the quarterback. So I think that's going to be a problem for that that Cincinnati offensive line. They're going to have to figure out how to get, you know, slow down that pass rush, which usually running the ball, quick passes, that kind of slows down that pass rush. But they got to figure out a way to, to do that because them boys are going to be after Joe Burrow the whole game. And if you saw the Tennessee Titans had nine sacks on Joe Burrow on the Cincinnati Bengals, imagine what the L.A. Rams can do because that pass rush is a lot better than Tennessee's, in my opinion. So I got, I got, I got the Rams winning this game. Um, I think it's going to be a good game. I don't think it's going to be a blot or anything, but I think it's going to be a very good game. And Matthew Stafford, after 13 years, wins his first Super Bowl. Odell gets his first Super Bowl. Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald. Jalen Ramsey, all of them boys get their first Super Bowl win and get that ring. I will be dropping a video this weekend on YouTube, you know, giving you all my keys to victory for each team. Y'all already know my pick, but giving you all my keys to victory for each team. Um, and, yeah, if y'all know me, man, y'all know I wanted Matthew Stafford on the Colts. Y'all know I wanted him on the Colts before the season started, but he ended up getting traded to the Rams, and that kind of sucked. But it is what it is. And before I forget, because <laughs> I really almost forgot, Tom Brady retired, man. After 22 seasons, he finally hanging up the cleats. And, you know, Adam Sheffer, he reported that earlier this week. And it came out that, oh, well, that's not true 100%. Or Tom Brady will release the information when he's ready to release the information or whatever. And so everybody started calling Adam Sheffer a liar. I honestly believe that Tom Brady was still going to retire because just listening to him, he sounded very reflective and it wasn't more, it wasn't looking towards the future is looking at the past and what he had done. So, and the fact that he wanted to spend more time with his family, his family deserved him to be home. And so for, for me, I felt like he was going to retire. So I felt like it was still valid. It was just a matter of time before he did it. And he came out on Tuesday and announced his retirement, announced that he was stepping away from football and everything, and that he was done. And after a great career, I mean, what, 22 years, 10 Super Bowl appearances, 
seven rings. He has more rings than any franchise in the NFL. Um, all of the all of the passing records, pretty much. Like, I don't think there's any passing record that he doesn't have. So, all of the passing records. Um, he he's been a very successful quarterback in the league. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know, hands down. Like, there's no questions about that. Is he the goat? I don't know. That's a conversation for another time. But you know, congratulations to Tom Brady on a successful career, uh, Hall of Fame career. And, you know, his retirement, in my opinion, overshadows Big Ben's, which rightfully so. But, you know, big shout out to Tom Brady for that. But anyway, that's all I have for y'all. You know, y'all be sure to go follow your boy on Drop Balls Pod. On, well, follow your boy on Twitter at Drop Balls Pod. My bad. Um, follow your boy there. Uh, follow your boy on YouTube. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel, Drop Balls Podcast. The link is down in the description. Um, Until next time, y'all be easy. Y'all be safe this weekend. Peace.